everyone. Welcome to the True Path Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. So today is session four in our study of Second Peter, and we're beginning chapter two today. We'll be discussing verses one through three. So Peter ended chapter one by establishing the authority and authenticity of scripture. He said in verses 20 and 21 of chapter one, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation or from the will of man. Instead, they spoke from God and were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's significant that he ends chapter one this way, because in chapter two, Peter's going to be writing about teachers who didn't speak from God and aren't carried along by the Holy Spirit. Their words do come from their own interpretations and from their own wills. Peter calls them false teachers or false prophets. Now, Peter's going to pretty much spend the entire second chapter discussing false teachers. So why is it so important for us to know about this? Well, this is just my opinion, but I believe there are three reasons. First is that people are searching. People are searching for answers, answers to all kinds of questions. Why am I so unhappy? Why is there evil in the world? What is the meaning of life? How can I live a more fulfilling life? And on and on it goes. And when people are desperate for answers and someone comes along who appears to be strong, charismatic and authoritative, who says they have the answers to these questions, people are likely going to follow them. Another reason why I think Peter spends so much time warning against false teachers is because even Christians can be susceptible to falling for their lies. Verse 3 says false teachers will exploit you with made-up stories. They know how to create false stories that seem believable. They know how to use people for their own profit. And as we're going to see, their made-up stories are often similar to Scripture. They're close to the gospel, close enough to even dupe Christians if we're not careful. And the third reason for all the warnings is because of just how dangerous to the church false teachers are. I mean, falsehood, lies, deception can destroy churches and destroy testimonies and can be stumbling blocks for those who are new to the faith or have not yet come to faith. So we as Christians, we need to be able to distinguish between sound biblical teaching and falsehood. So let's read 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. There were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories, Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. So chapter 1 ended by focusing on the fact that the Holy Spirit is the divine author of Scripture. But not only did the Holy Spirit inspire all of Scripture, He also guides us. John 14.26 says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. So a person can never truly understand scripture without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many instances in which our culture has used scripture. 
Think for a moment about how often people quote Luke 631. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How many sporting events have you seen signs with John 316 plastered on them? I mean, it's good that people are quoting scripture, but do they truly understand what it means? Because until you get it, you'll never get it. Meaning, until you get salvation, you'll never truly get complete understanding. False teachers may know verses of scripture. They may even know some biblical doctrine, but they've never gotten it, meaning salvation. And Peter states plainly in verse 1, there will be false teachers among you. And as I've said before, forewarned is forearmed, so we must be aware and on our guard. He also says there were false prophets among the people. There were then and there are now. So the devil must feel this is a pretty successful strategy for leading people away from God. And Peter gives us a pretty vivid image of what false teachers are like. They bring in destructive heresies, verse 1 says. Now, I think it's important at this point to draw a contrast here, because false teachers, they are people who are deliberately and intentionally leading people astray. Now, we're not talking about genuine believers who may be misguided or make mistakes, such as in Acts 18, verses 24 through 28, in which Apollos, a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, taught about Jesus. But he only knew about the baptism of John. So when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home and explained to him the way of God more clearly. Other translators say false teachers secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, the Greek, um, from the Greek, that means to bring in alongside. So their heresy is deliberate and intentional. They know what they're doing because there's something to be gained by it. But it may not be obvious at first. I mean, they may bring in their made-up stories and viewpoints and present them alongside what is already being taught. So we must be vigilant about growing in our knowledge of the truth. Because remember Satan's approach to Eve in the garden in Genesis 3? In verse 3-1, Satan said to Eve, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see, he used God's words, but he added his own words alongside them, which caused Eve to doubt herself, and God. Then, when he sensed Eve's uncertainty and her own lack of commitment to God's word, because her response to the serpent was, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Well, God never said that part. So, once he sensed her reticence to follow God's word, the serpent issued the final blow, an outright lie. You will not surely die. So introducing lies alongside the truth is a strategy the devil has been employing since time began, and it has been extremely successful. You and I are paying for Adam and Eve's tragic mistakes still today. So we must not only know God's word, but live out God's word. So the temptation to follow false philosophies and viewpoints will have no hold on us. From one of my commentaries, it says, Peter knew that the truth of God's word and the false doctrines of the heretics could not coexist. There could be no compromise on his part on this issue. 
any more than a surgeon could compromise with a cancerous tumor in a patient's body. So false teachers bring in destructive heresies that go so far as to even deny Jesus, the master who bought them, it says. So when verse 1 says they deny the master who bought them, it doesn't mean that false teachers have been saved, that they're Christians, because twice Peter mentions they're destined for destruction. From Jude 19, it says, These are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. So if they're not saved, then how is it they've been bought by the Master? Well, Christ dies a ran- di- Christ died as a ransom for all people. 1 Timothy 2.6, Hebrews 2.9, and 1 John 2.2 all tell us so. But not all people accept this free gift. Christ Jesus died for everyone, but not everyone will be saved. And because they have refused Jesus' free gift of salvation, they will bring swift destruction on themselves. Although it may appear that they are prospering from exploiting others, it will not last. Their destruction will come swiftly, which doesn't necessarily mean immediately, but suddenly. They won't see it coming. This is how far these false teachers are willing to go, even denying Jesus. Yet, according to verse 2, many will follow their depraved ways. Many will follow someone whose only motivation is greed and exploitation. Verse 2 actually says, many will follow their depraved ways and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. So if someone's only motivation is greed and exploitation, why would someone want to follow that? Well, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7:15, "Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves." So many people follow because it's easy. They look, sound and act like sheep, like us. But in reality, they are not. And let's be honest, I mean, the devil makes it pretty simple to follow evil. I mean, it requires no change from people. They just follow a set of rules that appeal to a person's basest instincts, and they're done. But what does Jesus say the life of a Christian is like? It is full of love, joy, fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. But he never said it would be easy. Matthew 16:24 says then Jesus said to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me The last thing false teachers will ever do is deny themselves Their ways are depraved meaning they have no shame They want to have their cake and eat it too They want to continue in their sin feeding their lusts while being seen as religious Many will follow them because they think they can have that too. I mean, Wearsby says even a third of the angels left with Satan, and they were in heaven. So again, we must be wary. We mustn't take it for granted that we will never be in a position to be taken in ourselves, because many will. And the devastation they cause is vast. Going so far as to bring the way of truth, the way of Christ into disrepute. They will cause Christians to have a bad name. And this is so dangerous because as one scholar said, few things hinder the cause of Christ 
like bad reputations of professing Christians. We must live in a way that enhances or promotes the way of Christ, not obstructs it. Back in 2011, Christian radio host and president of the Family Radio Christian Network, Harold Camping, stated that the rapture and judgment day would take place on May 21, 2011, and that the end of the world would take place five months later on October 21, 2011. He claimed the Bible was his source, and he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that these dates were accurate. Now, although most Christian groups did not accept his predictions, the media, they made no distinction between our beliefs and his. Now, fortunately, he later apologized for his mistake, but how many people listening to to his interviews questioned the legitimacy of Christianity? Matthew 7, 13-14 says, Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Verse 3 continues by saying, They will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories. Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. So, as I mentioned earlier, false teachers have the audacity to even deny Jesus because they're getting something out of it. They're greedy. Whether it's monetary gain, power, or influence, they're getting satisfaction by exploiting their followers. Now, their words may sound good. They may appear to be on the level and have people's best interest at heart, but they don't really care about their followers. It's only personal gain that they seek. And what did Jesus say about false prophets in Matthew 7? You will know them by their fruit. And greed is the foundation from which these false prophets live their lives. They use made-up stories to gain followers. The word in the Greek for made-up is plastos, from where we get the word plastic. They bend or twist words to exploit people. One scholar said, false teachers use our vocabulary, but do not use our dictionary. They may use words like salvation or inspiration and the great words of the Christian faith, but they don't mean what we mean. So immature, untaught believers hear these teachers or read their books and think they are sound in the faith. Yet again, what did Peter say in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21? Prophecy never had its origin from the will of man or from the prophet's own interpretation, but they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, God determined long ago how to deal with those who intentionally misrepresent God and exploit others to their own ends. Their condemnation is not idle and their destruction does not sleep, it says. So God is fully aware of what they're up to and their punishment is inevitable. Now, circumstances may appear that they're getting away with it, but God reminds us that his judgment on the unrighteous is certain. Matthew Henry says, Men are apt to think that a reprieve is the forerunner of a pardon, and that if judgment is not speedily executed, it is or will be reversed. My pastor once said, We mustn't confuse God's patience with permission. 18th century poet Thomas Gray coined the phrase, Ignorance is bliss. His entire quote is, Where ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be wise. 
Thomas Jefferson expanded on that with a quotation of his own. If ignorance is bliss, why aren't more people happy? He's basically just reiterating what God has already made clear. Ignorance never brings peace or happiness. So, although our topic today was somewhat weighty and serious, knowing what we're up against, knowing the truth, brings light and prevents stumbling and being deceived. Because the blissful path of ignorance only leads to destruction. So, if you want to be sure that what you're being taught is sound and true, well, first, make sure that you have Jesus, who is the truth, the way, and the life by surrendering your life to him and accepting his free gift of salvation. Compare what you're hearing or reading with scripture. Pray for the wisdom and discernment to catch lies. And look at what kind of fruit your teachers are producing. Are they motivated by greed or compassion? And so that's going to be our challenge, to make sure what we're exposing ourselves to is honest and true and edifying. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.